So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 14, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version this morning. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you? If you are zealous for what is good, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me hand it over to Matt Hemsley in this most technical way of moving out of the seat and letting Matt take my seat. So Matt, thank you for being with us this morning and let me pass it over to you. Well, good morning. Good morning, Christchurch Vienna. It is lovely to be with Sabrina and Johnny in his home and great to spend a little time with you. So we're going to be looking, as Johnny said, at 1 Peter 3, uh, verses 8 to 14. And it's a chapter that is titled in the ESV, Suffering for Righteousness Sake. So a little warning, Uh, we are going to be talking about suffering this morning and uh, like the sportscaster says, says, if you don't want to know what the score is, turn off now. (laughs) But let me start with a slightly foolish question. If I could invent a pill that would take away all your suffering, would you take it? If I could invent a pill that would take away all your suffering, would you take it? Would you give it to your children, your wife, your friends? Now, of course, that's a foolish question. And then I ask that in a context of being part of the most medicated society probably ever has ever been. In North America, two thirds of Americans are on prescription drugs. So we're always looking for some kind of pill. So stay stay with me in this thought experiment. Would you take the pill? Now, I wonder, of course, whether your first instinct would be say, of course I would. Isn't it right to alleviate suffering of any kind? Always take the pill. But then maybe after that instinct, you might start to reflect and say, well, we really can't have one pill for everything because there are lots of different kinds of suffering. And more importantly, maybe some kinds of suffering are not actually without value. Some suffering might actually be necessary. And suffering is kind of intimately interwoven into the entire gospel story. And didn't Paul say in Colossians, now I rejoice in my sufferings. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. That's quite a statement. Now, probably what comes to mind first when you think about suffering is physical suffering, pain. And obviously, physical pain could be quite good. You put your hand in the fire, it burns, you take it out. 
But in my family, we had a recent experience of physical pain that was incredibly destructive, chronic pain. My wife had a fall, and then for years after that, she had pain in her back that she described like a stabbing knife. And it was there, day and night, lying down, standing up. And I watched how pain changed her. As she became a different person, it invaded her relationships with me, with her children, and with God. And she felt utterly abandoned in that experience, that never-ending experience of pain. And it came as close as I ever want to experience to what I would say is pointless suffering. And I know that's a hard thing to say, but I want to acknowledge that up front. Not all pain, not all suffering has value. Would I have given her a pill to take it away? Absolutely, yes, 100%. But then physical pain is not the only kind of pain, isn't it? There's also emotional suffering, and that can be very real. So my daughter recently announced publicly her first relationship with a fella. The thing is that that boy, who's a couple of years older, was, is now in Holland, in Maastricht, studying. He's going to be there for three years. And because of COVID, there's no to and froing going to happen. So she's suddenly experiencing, for the first time, the suffering of separation. And you might say, well, that's not very serious, is it? But the suffering of separation can be really devastating. And we've seen that in, the country, in this country with the trauma of separation between parents and child. So emotional suffering can be very real. But would I give my daughter a pill to take away the suffering she's experiencing now? No. I think it's part of her growing up, part of her maturing. It's part of growth. So no pill. So there's physical and emotional suffering, and then there's also psychological or mental suffering. And for many years, throughout my entire adolescence and early adult life, I struggled with severe depression. And it really colored every aspect of my life. I tried everything to get rid of it, to medicate it in one way or another. And the root of the word suffer is the Latin word suffrere, to bear, undergo, or endure. And there's a sense that suffering just goes on and on. And that's what it's often like for people who suffer mentally. And I think it took out about 12 to 14 years of my life. Can I say, in all honesty, there was any value to that? Would I have taken a pill if it had been offered to me? Well, yes and no. In my case, that depression was pointing to something I needed to deal with, but perhaps a pill could have lifted me out of it, out of the depression so I could better deal with it. And like many sufferers, when you suffer, you often find other people who suffer with similar things. And I met people in that period of my life who had severe clinical depression and really needed some kind of medication. So I say all that because as Christians, I think we need to be very careful not to say that there is one Christian pill for all kinds of suffering, a one size fits all response to the reality of suffering. You know, when Kim was struggling with her back, she read all the Christian books and there were great books. Tim Keller, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering is an excellent read, it really is. Or Philip Yancey, Where is God When It Hurts? But the reality is that none of those books even began to touch her suffering. 
Suffering is complex. It's deeply personal. A one-size-fits-all Christian response is not going to work. But then what about this thing of suffering for righteousness sake that we're looking at in this scripture? What is that? And if there was a pill to avoid it, would you take it? Well, let's first see if we can understand what this suffering for righteousness sake is. And Peter starts by painting really quite an interesting portrait of righteousness, not one you might expect. It's really the way things should be. This is what he says. Finally, all of you have unity of mind. Is that the first thing you think about when you think about righteousness? Unity? Sympathy, that is feeling for others. Brotherly love, a tender heart. And the NIV translation of that is compassion. And that word means to suffer with. And a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless for this, for to this you were called that you may attain a blessing. You bless so that you may obtain a blessing. And you bless those who revile and curse you. It's going way beyond what Jesus called the righteousness of the Pharisees. It's much more than not breaking the moral law. When we are reviled, every instinct in us wants to revile in return. When we're cursed or attacked, we strike back. No, Peter says, you bless but here's the thing, if you are going to live like that, there will be a dissonance, a tension between you and the world as it is. The righteous life, as Peter describes it, inevitably leads you into tension with the world. And that's what's going on here. Peter is writing to a church that's beginning to experience persecution. To use a secular example, the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement strived for racial justice, but that meant facing the pushback of injustice, even to the cost of life. It meant suffering. But for the civil rights movement, it was better to have justice and the end of racism than to avoid the economic, emotional, spiritual, physical suffering that came with pursuing that cause. And something like that is going on here. Peter's saying, look, as you start to experience oppression, as you start to experience persecution, hang on to the life that you've been given in Christ. Who is going to harm you? Peter says. Well, it's a kind of rhetorical question because he goes straight on to say immediately, but even if you should suffer, in other words, somebody is going to harm you, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Even if you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. So let's be clear. There's no invitation in this scripture to take a pill to avoid suffering. And Peter actually goes further. You will suffer for what is right, then you will be blessed. And it's as if he's saying, look, if you remain in the righteous way of life, despite that, despite the suffering, you will experience God's blessing. So don't compromise. 
But I wonder if we could go even further than that. It's not just blessed in spite of the suffering, but perhaps blessed because of this kind of suffering, for righteousness' sake. That perhaps some kind of suffering actually creates capacity in us to love, for empathy, that some kinds of suffering enable us to make space for the other, to embrace other people more fully. Now, how can I say that? Well, let's look at Jesus. I said at the beginning, suffering of all kinds is woven inextricably into the Christian story in the Gospels. When we talk about Christ's suffering, probably we default to the physical pain that Jesus endured on the cross. But Jesus knew emotional suffering too, He wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. He lamented over Jerusalem's stubborn refusal to know the ways of peace, like a mother hen, the scripture says. And he knew mental suffering in Gethsemane. And one of the most profound moments of Jesus' story is on the cross when he cries out in a sense of total abandonment, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But hear this, Jesus was God's righteousness. Jesus was sent into the world to bless the world. And Jesus did not turn his face away from suffering. In fact, Jesus comes into the world to embrace the suffering. That's what love looks like. Love touches and love embraces suffering. I heard a story, a friend of mine who is moving out into West Virginia was looking for a church and he was dotting around and came across this website of a local church and he saw a little video announcement. And the video announcement was all about a touch-free worship experience. And obviously this church was trying to respond to the COVID situation, so they were trying to create an in-person worship experience where there would be no touch. And I'm not being critical, that's very sensible, though I'm not sure it would actually stop the spread of COVID. But the whole thing was, and the repeated phrase was, a touch-free worship experience. Come to us, we'll give you a touch-free worship experience. And I just couldn't help seeing the irony in that, that that is almost diametrically opposed to what the gospel is. The gospel is about a God who comes in and touches, and touches in particular the suffering. So if we too want to love with the love of God, we too must touch and embrace suffering. We cannot love other people for the sake of righteousness if we are not willing to embrace their suffering in all the chaos and messiness that often surrounds suffering. So let me leave you with this thought. The reality is we're always medicating ourselves to avoid suffering. And there are many ways in which we can medicate ourselves as Christians. We can take the pill of indifference or apathy. You know, whoever's suffering their story is not our story, they brought it on themselves. Or the pill of opinion. 
and judgment so we can stand on the sidelines at a safe distance judging who is right and who is wrong. Or the pill of moral purity. To enter into somebody else's suffering gets messy and some of the dirt might just stick to us. And we can take the pill of compromise, of going with the way of the world to avoid our own suffering. But the invitation here in this scripture, for the sake of righteousness, is to refuse those pills. Not to do it alone, but with the support of the church, being full of the Spirit, secure in identity in the Father. But for the sake of righteousness, Jesus' love calls us to touch and to enter into a suffering world. And then, as Peter says, we will be blessed. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I'm just aware that I'm speaking about a subject that some of us now will be experiencing personally. In the midst of this season of COVID, that suffering is coming at us in many ways, many of which we didn't expect. That our children are suffering from not having a normal childhood experience of school. That some of us may know people who are sick and can't get access to the normal help that they would get because of COVID. And some of us might actually be suffering from COVID or know those who are. So Father, I pray you would give us the strength the courage that for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of the love of Jesus, to be able to embrace those around us who are suffering. And I pray that in Jesus' name.